Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. I am your host, Kyle Pagan. We've got a great show for you today on a rainy, rational Tuesday. Bob Wankel, he will be joining us at 1230. Philly's just clinched. But right now, we have Kevin Kikade on to talk about the rain, the sleet, or snow. This Eagles train will go. The 4-0 Eagles down 14, rattle off 29, unanswered, send Doug packing. I want to ask you, am I a hypocrite for being okay with Doug getting a standing ovation, but when Carson comes to town, him being absolutely uh, booed off <laughs> off the link turf? Oh, God. Is that what we're starting with? I don't think yes, I'm that's ready what we're starting that. with. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not, there's so much, man. My head is spinning. I, first of all, uh, you're in a new location. You moved into a new place, right? Programming note, uh, yeah. Xfinity, Comcast, whatever you want to call them, absolutely fucked me. Uh, you do the whole due diligence where you're like, Hey, two weeks, you know, you schedule, I'm moving transfer yeah. to the service, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We get there. It's wired for Verizon. They told us it was wired for Comcast. It wasn't. So I'm working with an Xfinity Wi-Fi hotspot right now. So if we do kind of crap out during the show, Kev, you take it, you go and just run with it. All right. Yeah, I'll vamp. I'll vamp. Listen, former, former employee of Comcast. Okay. Not yeah. disgruntled employee. If I was a disgruntled employee, I would post porn and uh, feet pics like Broad Street Hockey Buzz did yesterday <laughs> for 10 hours. Yeah. Yeah. But they had you blacklisted, man, because they read the blog post that you did where you said you were quiet quitting on them. Yeah, oh, I quiet did, quit the, the bare, shit out of them. You did the bare minimum. They put you on the blacklist and they're like, yo, this motherfucker's moving into a new apartment. We're going to, we're going to throttle, throttle his, uh, is bandwidth or something. Even when they do get it set up, man, you're going to have the slowest internet speeds out there because they're going to have they're going to put the restrictions on you. you remember, Dude, that's hundred percent true. I quite quit before anybody thought quiet quitting was cool. I used to work up. If anyone's familiar with Comcast, used to work up in the lunchroom in the back corner when I was like trying to build Water Boys or trying to build my brand and everything. And people were like, "Where the fuck is Kyle?" Quiet quit. You you invented quiet quit. You you were the first quiet quitter, really, if you think about it. You know, because the article came out like a couple months ago, but you quiet quit years ago. So I, I would yeah. give you credit for that for sure. There definitely. Do you remember when there was the big thing about like, uh, oh my god, what was it called? Net neutrality. Yeah, about, yeah, that was like, a big the, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they are. I I have no you know reservations. I know that Comcast is throttling your internet speed you know even even now they're gonna bullshit yeah. you all the way to the bank man i know they're looking for revenge oh, so yeah. Uh, but yeah you're in, you're in new digs you got the 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 two curtains back there in the brick you you've upgraded from the Zelensky bunker um <laughs> look in uh you know in Kharkiv, right um I so have. You, have a, you have a different look there but holy shit man what a day for us what a 48 hours for crossing broad how many stories did you and i do like 30 like probably like, 30 I, I mean we had all kinds of stuff we had the flyers blog going rogue on twitter and posting the porn awesome. jake voracek uh sniped charlie o'connor we had the phillies going to the playoffs for the first time in 11 years. uh Wait, ben off. simmons ben, ben simmons, simmons. turn around fadeaway jumper <laughs> uh, so let so you actually brought up a good point and we were going to talk eagles but this is typical yeah. of the show we'll just go off on a tangent yeah. when are people going to start being like and this is probably will never work but it could work when are people going to be like hey listen um you can sponsor this tweet because you've I had know, that. You had a, you had a tweet that had yeah. 2 million views and you're sitting there still with $0 off of it. So like I who know. says you can't go to like, Hey, an Xfinity or Hey, uh, uh, I don't know. Hey, iPhone, Apple, you want to sponsor this tweet? I think it's yeah. going to go viral. We should go back to Cordell's people. You know, you want to put Cord the Cordell and Cordell logo on there. 2.5 million. <laughs> Look at Jesus. that. 
2.5 million views for a six second thing. Uh, here's the thing. There's no volume on the clip because my one-year-old was like babbling at the time. So I turned the volume <laughs> down. I still got 2,878 quotes. I did some promos there at the bottom. Yeah, you promoted uh, like some heavy metal band. What the fuck yeah. are you doing? Yeah, Ginger. I wanted to shout out Ginger while I had your attention. I wanted to shout out. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. Didn't premiere. put a link in there. That's amateur hour. <laughs> I know. And I, I, I got to get better at that. And I uh, shouted out Decibel Magazine. Let's go to the phones. Know the goalie. Uh, Crossing Broad Podcast Network. Yeah, it's like, when you know what I should have done? Because people have something that goes viral and they're like, oh, by the way, there's this GoFundMe for my favorite charity. And I'm, I'm promoting like a uh, Ukrainian metalcore band. And I didn't even yeah. link to my podcast. I just showed an image of it. So, Or they or they sell the sex toys in the lava lamps. Like, that's the other thing I always see. Like, they're like, hey, buy, use my code at Amazon for these sex toys or lava lips. <laughs> pro, pro, um, pro, uh, pro, yeah. Oh, you know what? Dave's actually got a good idea. He's saying we should have done a GoFundMe for Philly Brewing to restore their hop garden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's who should have sponsored the post. We should have sponsored. Yeah. We should have had uh, yeah. breweries and PA sponsor the post. Yes. And then all the money yeah. we made for the post, we could have given back to Philly Brewing. Uh, we should have teamed up with Chad with Chad with two D's, Chad Bob, uh, Chad Balby or whatever his name is, and done a done a fundraiser, a hop fundraiser for uh, Philly Brewing Co. You know. So did you watch that, the game? Did you watch the see? Because there's a lot going on. Ex- Comcast I, fucked me. Comcast fucked me. We so okay. So we split it up. I was like, you watch Jalen Hurts because he's doing because mm-hmm. he's doing the Manning cast. Ended up being boring shit. I'll keep an eye on the yeah. Sixers and Ben. I totally fucking forgot the Phillies were going to clinch last night. I, <laughs> I like, know. Oh, yeah, they're playing too. I got to get somebody on this too. So I did that. You did like four posts at like midnight, but I was mostly watching the Ben. So you didn't see any of the Sixers and and Ben Simmons. I, I did not. Uh, don't have you know? Don't have a cable package right now. Right yeah. now, I'm using an HDMI cord for my Xfinity stream on my internet, and I'm hooking it up to my TV, and that's how I'm. And it craps out every 15 minutes. But what I wanted to say is. A lot of times when we post stories about Ben Simmons or when we post clips about Ben Simmons, there's always a couple guys that are like, hey, move on. What are you doing? Like, he's gone. This is why you post clips about Ben Simmons, because this shit gets read. This People shit gets clicked on. With them. This I shit mean, gets he, retweeted. Yeah. yeah. It's the same thing with the Carson Wentz stuff, too. And that's actually it's funny because the Carson Wentz stuff is actually more relevant, I think, this year than it was last year because he's a he's a division rival. You know, he's playing for the Commanders. You say the same thing about Ben Simmons, too. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's playing for an Eastern Conference team that they're going to play a bunch of times. Uh, regardless, anybody who's just interested in the X's and O's of basketball and paid a lot of attention to to Ben uh, from from Brett through through Doc and the way that they used him. I mean, anybody who just loves basketball should be fascinated by the Ben Simmons story oh, in a vacuum, yeah. regardless of whether you like him or whether you don't like him. You know, how are they going to use him? What's he going to do in Brooklyn? How is he going to play with with KD and Kyrie? And they used him as a as a point guard last night. They used him as a primary ball handler and. He, I mean, look, he looked like a dude who hadn't played a game in 470 days or whatever it was, you know, but he would bring the ball up, kind of hand it off, set a couple screens, go stand in the corner, stand in the dunker spot. And, you know, he had a couple good transition sequences and threw some great passes, which we know that he's always been able to do. But he just, I mean, you know, he otherwise he looked like the same guy schematically. I mean, his shot, that shot was ugly. And, uh, yeah, I mean. 10 is, 10 is an ugly number on him. 10 just doesn't yeah. fit him. I think 25 fit him well. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And I just, you know, it was, it was interesting because they had Kyrie playing off ball. Um, they had Nick Claxton in the uh, in the lineup with him at the same time. So any of these thoughts that they're maybe going to try Ben, it's like a, uh, you know, like a power forward or like like a small ball center. I, I mean, at least in, in game one preseason, that was not the case. But I don't know. He's just so limited in what he can do, you know, outside of Brett's offense. You know, Brett Brown built an entire offense for him. You know, motion offense, dribble handoffs, go stand in the dunker spot after, after – uh, 
if you can't drive right away, you know, give the ball to Joel, let him go DHL with JJ Redick. I mean, it's just something that you, that anybody in the NBA, regardless of whether you like Ben or not, you, you should be fascinated by the way that they use him and the way that he's that he that he plays coming off coming off the year uh, the year that he was out. But yeah, so that was the one thing. But I was just being like a like a like a troll, you know, like hey, turn around, fade away. I, I don't know. It ended up being a good caption or something. But I know it's crazy. I got to like slap a freaking like sponsor or something on that. If I had foresight. Yeah, I would have been making money off of it. I was about to fall asleep. And my, I was talking to my wife last night. She was like, so how do you, how do we make money off of this? Like, I don't know. It's 2.5 million views. And I got mm. nothing out of it. No, you're hundred like, percent right. I mean, you can just have, you can just have some, someone sponsor your Twitter feed. So in between uh, every one viral clip, there's yeah. hundreds of other ones that are about the union, uh, about uh, you uh, pounding on your, your symbols in the basement and uh, yeah. a couple of, uh, a couple of other, like, you know, innocuous yeah. stuff that, that Kevin Kincaid the likes. Sponsors would be like, look, uh, we're very happy with the viral Ben Simmons content. We don't know about these drum videos <laughs> and this Ukrainian heavy metal band that you keep talking about. Uh, <laughs> so if you could cut back on those and maybe do more viral Ben Simmons brick turnaround fadeaway side of the backboard brick videos, you know, maybe we can all make some money here off of this. So. <laughs> um, you said you didn't watch anything about the Jalen Hurts Manning cast, did you? Did you catch no, any of it? No, no, I did because I knew that he was going to say jack shit. I you mean, know, Kev, no, I was going to say you didn't miss much, man. You didn't miss yeah, much, yeah. and I, I wrote it in my post saying like it just they never got on a a level like playing field. It felt like they never got in a groove because there were so many three and outs. So when there's so many three and outs, they have to cut the commercial break and everything. He yeah, did bring up yeah. they were talking about him. Like you, you know that Eli and Peyton, they all they had these questions. So in case they, they fall into any like dead area, they can just ask these questions. So they're asking about Jalen's like, hey, why'd you bench 600 pounds when you're at Oklahoma? And he was starting to talk about like how him, like Kelsey looks at him in the weight room and he thinks it's funny that they bench the same weight. All of a sudden, Rams punt, they return it, goes to commercial. It probably would yeah. have been a pretty funny sound bite. But uh, yeah, man, they just never got into a groove. Uh, he talks very low. The sound was too loud. So it was, it was over him and stuff. Um, it was yeah. just a very awkward interview, especially for guys who who know each other. They, he goes all the way back to the Manning camp in, in, in high school and everything. But uh, it's a very it, hard show to it's a very yes. hard show to to produce mm -hmm. and, and to host. I mean, because like because Peyton and Eli aren't aren't broadcasters anyway. They're not used to this shit. Imagine you and I were doing this. I stepped off the show for a minute, and there was two. Well, no, okay. So say I was Eli and you were Peyton, and we had a guest on. And why we do I got to be? Talk, the, why do I got to be the shittier brother? They're both they're both damn good, right? I mean, they both have multiple Super Bowls. Uh, one's a 500 quarterback, going to sneak into the Hall of Fame. But okay, go ahead. But Whatever. that's neither that's neither here nor there. So imagine we have like a guest uh, come on, say Joe Cordell comes back on or something, right? You got to talk to him, and you got to go through this rundown of stuff that you're thinking of asking him while you're monitoring a game at the same time and having to kind of talk through that and explain what's going on and do like this this game play hybrid game play by play slash yeah. analysis while doing an interview at the same time and then you got a producer in the ear saying okay we're going to commercial here you know that's hard to that's like hard like live television juggling so when you got a guy like Jalen who's just kind of quiet and reserved as it is I mean you're trying to like pull shit out of him at the same time and it's just not I mean it's tough so I didn't I you know I didn't expect much of it and no, I mean, he, he, he doesn't, and he doesn't have to look. I mean, every time we do this, this topic with the fans, the fans are like, well, who cares what he says to the media? I get it. But that wasn't like a, you know, Jeff McClain and Zach Berman and people asking him about it. felt like that, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it was a good opportunity to get him out there and yes. kind of like loosen him up a little bit. Because you remember when we had Brandon on, we were talking about like, hey, it seems like he's a bit, Jalen's a bit contentious with the media. Mm -hmm. 
even in situations where he doesn't need to be. Like, I think that's just the saving effect of, you know, it's rat poison and these guys are all out to get you. And no, I think they, it's Peyton and Eli. It's not, it's not like, you know, uh, you know, Howard Eskin out there. And that's why I was so excited because he should be the most popular athlete in Philadelphia at this moment right now. He'll, he should be going toe to toe with Joel Embiid and yeah. Bryce Harper. Yeah. And it was really cool to see that because, you know, he's, he's, He's leading into Steph Curry, who is an A-list athlete. He's leading into John Hamm, who's an A-list actor. That's so cool to see that, like, our quarterback, who would have picked our quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who was literally, like, playing for his his football life, it felt like, or for another contract. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see that shout-out from Tubby Raymond for the Delaware Blue Hens wing tee. Um, shout-out Dave Raymond, who created the, uh, the Philly Fanatic. Um, but it was so cool to see that, you know, our quarterback was was on a a national spotlight with uh, with Peyton and Eli, and yeah. a lot of people were talking about uh, the shirt he was wearing. God bless whoever hating on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sweatshirt got a little bit of rounds. I didn't I didn't hear the Kincaid clip. I know some people were talking about John Kincaid show. I, I did you hear it? I don't want to get the context wrong. No, I just I when I was coming back today from dropping my kids off, they were talking a little bit about it, and I I think John's take was that he just felt the sweatshirt was a little corny. Because he doesn't think that the Eagles fans were necessarily hating on him or haters mm. or whatever. I, but I disagree with that. I don't. I, I my take with Jalen was always like, I don't think anybody was out there wanting him to to fail or not to succeed. No. I think that there were just reservations. Like, hey, seems like a good kid, like a good leader. You know, uh, the right mentality. These guys like playing for him. We just have doubts about whether he he has the arm to be an NFL quarterback. So I don't know. Maybe some people construe that as being a hater some people don't but well me I, I don't, you know, know. I don't know. me as a hater i was i i i because I, I think i think the shirt i hate i hate litigating this because it's not that big a deal it's a 50 dollar sweatshirt from a clothing brand but i was a i was a hater i was like good guy hope he succeeds hope he's a franchise mm-hmm. but and that's what every eagle, rational eagles fan had that same sentiment it's like hey man what do you think about jay it's like dude mm-hmm. love him great guy off the field seems like an awesome guy um but I don't think he has the arm strength or I don't think he can read a defense or I don't think he can do this. And I don't think he can do that. And we've, we've, he's answered every question mark the first four games through the season. So I just can't believe that we're poking and prodding at a sweatshirt when we're four and oh, about to be hopefully five and oh, like Eagles are undefeated. Just, Phillies are going to the playoffs. Like what's mm-hmm. it? Yeah. And we're poke. It's, it's, it's not the conversation for a Monday. It's not, it's not the one thing to look at on a Monday. Look at yeah. like the painting of, of him in the background. I don't know. Did you see the painting behind him? It's, yeah. it's him in his Alabama jersey, and it's him in his Oklahoma jersey, and the Oklahoma Jalen is patting uh, Alabama Jalen on the head as, yeah. I guess, some kind of, uh, you know, keep going. Even at your, your valleys, you know, you can get to your peaks and stuff. It was kind of corny He's painting, but through- it made me laugh, but... He's been through a lot, man. I, you know, I don't know if asking questions about a player is is the same as hating on him. I remember Gargano went on a good rant about this actually last year, about like fanboy fans who who were like just you know think that anytime anybody asks a question about a player or an athlete, it means that you're like hating on them or you're like you're talking down on them or you wish that they fail or something like that. And I, I think that's like the you know the the difference that you got to draw here. I mean, like. I don't think that anybody like there there were no remaining like Carson Wentz over Jalen Hurts people last year were there like saying like I hope I think Carson's the guy or I hope Jalen fails yeah or, well, or I, th- I, mean, I think there were still Carson Wentz guys over over Jalen guys I mean Carson, maybe maybe listen, but here's I know. the thing if I say if I say to you let let, let me use this for an example like if I said 
you know, Jalen's got all the intangibles. He seems like a good kid, good leader, does some great things with his feet. Um, you know, I've got some reservations about him, you know, with his arm. I'm not sure if he's ever going to become, you know, a, like a legit like passer in the NFL. Is, does that make me a hater? No, I think it makes you a rational uh, fan. But I, as a guy who personally was hating, I was like, hey, I, I was like, yeah, we'll get through this Jalen Hurts here. Hopefully we have the two uh, first round picks next year and yeah. we'll find our real franchise quarterback. Like I was legit hating. Like I didn't think he could take the next step. Yeah, I think there's okay. a lot of people yeah, who did yeah. not think he could take the next next step. So there's, there's some subjectivity there about what how you would yeah. define that versus how you, how you wouldn't. I just think he's had such a unique career, you know, like going from coordinator to coordinator, having transferred, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, coming into the NFL the, the way he did, uh, you know, having to be a backup to Carson Wentz and then, you know, being thrown in that first year with just bullshit running plays and whatever. So, I, you know. I understand how you absorb all that and like, like create a chip on your shoulder or whatever. I don't think oh, like yeah. a larger like portion of Eagles fans were, were quote unquote hating on him. I think they had legit reservations and now he's answered a lot of those questions. So well put me put me in the minority because I was I was a play I was in the play of haters ball. But uh I'm I'm happy <laughs> to be wrong. I'll tell you that. Um do you yeah. see this? We we tried to get this guy on the show, uh this Cameron Magruder. Uh he had this yeah. he had this tweet. And he got absolutely railroaded by Eagles fans okay. on uh, on on Sunday because Jalen Hurts throws a pick six. They obviously uh, run it back, and yeah. he goes, "The Eagles are frauds." He's a, now he's a he's a Dallas fan. He does uh, Christian comedy, which is funny because he'd probably benefit from aborting his season in the first trimester. But uh, anyway, so <laughs> so anyway, so. But we tried to get him on. He didn't. He he didn't get back to us and everything. But I just can't believe there are still people out there who think that the Eagles are frauds. Like, do you think? I don't know if you watch Sunday Night Football. I would say that it's the Bills and it's the Chiefs right now in the AFC. Do you think this Eagles team is able to beat the best team in the AFC right now? If we're going off the Bills and the Chiefs. Oh man, I don't know. That's like a really good question. I think yeah. they're. Uh, no, it's it's not easy because you want to say it is, no, but no. I, I listen. I um, I don't know if it's like a one and a two right now. I would I would say like I would have the like the yeah the like the Bills and the Chiefs is like a one A. I don't think the Eagles are. Like you had to like tier them. I, like I first think it's like a one A, a one B, a one C. Yeah, like do like a like a top tier. The Eagles are in the first tier of NFL teams for sure, and then a drop, and then tier number two for sure. But I, I get it, man. They really haven't. I mean, the Eagles' best win is Minnesota. Uh, you know, right? Um, Detroit's kind of looking. We thought they might be good, but not really. I mean, um, besides the defense, they are leading the league in, in points scored. Uh, Detroit. So I yeah, mean, I just like I just you know what, man. I um. I, I just thought it showed a lot. Like they just answered a lot of questions on Sunday about they're like resilience. punching the mouth. Yeah. yeah, they got they were gonna at some point they were gonna have to go down early and show they can come back and like they have the mental fortitude and intestinal fortitude to come to, to come back when things aren't going their way. Yeah, you know, right off right off the bat, you know. And say what you will about the pick six. I mean, maybe Jalen Hurts shouldn't have thrown the ball. Um, you know, AJ Brown could have made better effort on the on the tack or attempted a tackle, I guess. You know, 
you know, Jordan Maialata going down, but they, they didn't seem phased, phased by any of that. F-A-Z-E-D, by the way. I see a lot of people saying phase, P-H-A-S-E-D. It starts with an F, but... Oh, um, good to know. Good to know. Yeah, You'll probably but, edit that out of a blog I do later on. No, you had it right. I think a bunch, I think somebody, I think like a, like somebody um, at a real journalism outlet had it, had it wrong. But, you know, I, I think um, that was kind of the final piece of the puzzle. I mean, I really, I don't know what other questions we had. I mean, it's like, okay, they got the... Def- the defense looks good. Offense looks good. Like schedules good. Like the coaching is good. Okay. What remaining questions do we have about the Eagles? Like, okay, what are they going to do? How are they going to deal with adversity? You know, getting yeah. smashed. About. I mean, they doubt they passed with flying colors, you know, I mean, even they came on the third quarter. Answered? What's that? Is there anything else you need answered? I mean, just the third quarter stuff, maybe just some okay. of the second half stuff. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, I mean, look, it, it was like shit conditions too. And I knew like when they went for it on fourth and three there, like my only thought was like, okay, they're facing the same direction that Elliot missed the 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 field, uh, the extra point earlier. And like he got banged up on that play. So I get it, you know, but Sirianni's explanation for that was a little weird. You know, he said, I don't want to go too much into that. Okay, well, I mean, he probably could have just said that like our kicker got crunched and the conditions are shitty and we're kicking the way that we already missed. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I wonder why he was a little reserved about that. But I don't, I mean, I don't really have have any more questions you know and, and they went into it with uh they were already missing Devontae maddox and then slay went out and so they had josiah scott and zach mcpherson there and they had a couple little miscommunications but no i think the thing that just impressed me the most about jalen hurts is like you know in a game like that you're not going to light it up statistically the the other quarterback couldn't couldn't do anything with the ball couldn't hold on to the ball couldn't handle it, and jalen just protected it he made a lot of the right rpo and zone read reads you know, pick, you know, read the linebacker, read the defensive end correctly, and just just played like a like a good fundamentally smart game. You know, they're not turning the ball over. I mean, what else can I say about him? You know, it's like the big talking points that came out of it were like the mental fortitude comeback. Yeah. People talked about the pick six and the AJ Brown thing, and then the Dallas Goddard penalty. But I mean, like nobody's got any. If there's any legit like remaining questions about the Eagles, I don't know what they are. The the AJ Brown tweet after the game is is a great example of it is not hard to play here. He came out. He said, hey, listen, I know I I messed up. I know I effed up. Wasn't for lack of effort. This is what was going through my head. And you know what? Next time I'll just tackle him. It was that easy. It took less than 148 characters or 240 characters, whatever the hell we, we could tweet nowadays. It, it's it's not hard. It's it's really not that hard because that was a th- that that was a thing where when the pick six happened and you watched AJ Brown do what he did and you're like, oh fuck, this is going to be a story on Monday. And they come off and they rattle twenty nine unanswered. He comes out yeah. with a tweet and right there just nips it in the butt and we're good. It's not that hard to play here. It's not that hard. No, it's it, it reminded me a little bit of the Alec Bohm thing earlier in the year. You know. Yeah. When he came out and said, I fucking hate it here. Sorry, you know, I was in a bad moment or I don't fucking hate it here. As we could see last night when he had a whole case of Miller Light on his that was awesome. on his shoulder after the thing. We'll talk about that with Bob when he comes on. Yeah, okay. So here's the AJ Brown thing. And look, I I I got in like arguments with trolls about this. So as the video <laughs> plays, there it is, and AJ Brown's coming over. So he's got like six Jags in front of him. He could have made the tackle right there. And his explanation was that he was gonna try to strip the ball from behind because defensive backs aren't great ball carriers when they when they have a pick six and they're going the other way. And he thought there was there was a turn Okay, I got it there. But here's the thing. Jordan Maialata got injured on that play because he was diving for a tackle that he wouldn't have had to make if A.J. Brown just brought the defensive back bat down when he could have. And that guy, Cisco, Andre Cisco, not the guy who did the thong song. That's just Ooh, Cisco. A classic. Um, 
he AJ Brown's got an inch and like 25 pounds on that guy, you know? And I get like, people are like, well, we don't need our receivers like throwing themselves at tackles and shit like that. Okay. Right. I mean, oftentimes like you want to keep your head on a swivel. Like you got to watch for crack back blocks in those plays for sure. But there was nobody around him, man. And like, he could have really easily made that tackle. And, um, I get it. Like his, his apology is fine, man. Okay, next time I'll just tackle it. Cool. It's all good, man. But like you know, mm-hmm. my goes down because of he could have just made that play and you know prevented the other thing from happening. So it's it's shitty. But I I, I yeah have a lot of respect for guys who who come right out afterwards and say, look, man, I I get it. You know, this is what this is the explanation, and it's all good. Do you have anything else on the Eagles? Uh, our guest is here uh, early. Oh, okay. No, I was just gonna say real quick. Um, you know, the Dallas Goddard play, that was really interesting because you, you um, they, they, they ruled this wiped out the touchdown. They ended up scoring anyway, but it backed them up to first and first and goal at the 20 yard line. And then Jalen bull fucking bulldozed into the end zone with a manly run. That's like if awesome. you if they do something special this year and you go back to like a turning point in the season and say this was the catalyst for a run, that's the play, man. I thought it was going to be the Vikings run in week two too. That, but that one I think was even better. Just to down put his head up. down, man. No, I got to get in here and like uh, just take a hit from a linebacker and oh. uh, just get in the end zone. But you know, so in the Dallas Goddard play, they just ruled that he engaged the the defensive back too early, and because it was an option, it was like an like an option like run and gun to the left and throw. So he pulls the ball. The timing has to be that you know Goddard has to wait to engage, you know, before um, until the ball comes out of his hand. Right. And AJ Brown is standing right at the line of scrimmage. Because what you can do is that you can actually block downfield if you throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage. Right. Oh, so that's yeah. why when you watch some of these, like if you watch like Alex Smith or you watch some of the stuff that like um the 49ers did with Shanahan, they would run these like 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 options in the backfield. Guys would be engaged down the field and then they'd throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage. And that that's not OPI because if you're throwing it behind the line of scrimmage, it doesn't count. So I guess in this case, the refs ruled that AJ Brown caught it on the on the 10. And because it did the ball didn't because the ball technically in their mind crossed the line of scrimmage, they said that Goddard had engaged too early, and that's why it was OPI. So I don't know. Some people thought it was a shitty call, but I understood at least what the what the refs were. Yeah, I thought it was a shitty call. And Nick Sirianni obviously thought it was a shitty call, but he didn't elaborate on it because, you know, Christmas is coming up. Doesn't want to get twenty five, fifty thousand dollars taken out of his pocket, you know? How no, and I don't up. and I don't I think that's an overrated topic, honestly, because people say, Oh, they keep getting flagged for this, they keep getting flagged for this, but they run more of that than anybody else. Like a lot of this is just like timing stuff. You can practice it a million times out of a million, but if if my read is like just slowed up by a half second because the linebacker paused or something, I'm like, okay, well, I was going to hand off. Now I got to pull it and throw it. It just you know can throw the timing of the playoff by a half second, and that's the difference between AJ Brown standing at the ten or standing at the eleven. You know what I mean? So or yeah. or Goddard engaging, you know, two seconds into the play versus like two point five seconds. You know, so I don't I don't think that's as big of a deal as people make it out to be. It's a game of inches, as we saw in the double doink in London. Eagles sitting with the third or fourth. Yeah. I've seen multiple people say they have the third pick and the fourth pick. I don't I don't know. They have either the third or the fourth, and they have the 32nd right now. Okay. Uh, obviously, from the Saints and the double doink. Another double doink that benefited the uh, the birds. All right. Let's We've got our on. guest on. The last time he saw a Phillies playoff game, he was in his 20s. He had no gray hair. Strong jaw. No kids. Probably living in the city. No kids. Maybe no wife. I don't know you that well. We've got Bob Wankel on today. Congrats, Bob. Your Philadelphia Phillies are now a playoff team. It needed a third wild card spot to get in there. But hey, playoffs are the playoffs, baby. 
Not so fast, my friend. The the Phillies could be the second wild card team if they're stupid enough to try to hunt down the Padres to catch the Mets here in the, the uh, opening round. So uh, it, it may not actually take that third wild card. Come on, you don't want to see the Mets in the playoffs? No the choking Mets? No, no thanks. No, they're thanks. the Mets at the end of the day. Yeah, I, honestly, I know that that's like the hot talk. I was in the car driving around my kid uh, this morning to daycare now that I am in my mid-30s. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the, the hot talk on WIP. You know, who do you want to play? The Mets or the Cardinals? And I, I think it's a no-brainer that you want St. Louis. But that's probably a conversation for later in the week. I mean, listen, this is a good day to be a Phillies fan. And there are a lot of people that watched a lot of shitty baseball for a very long time who finally got a payoff last night. And it, it kind of felt a little bit like old times, you know, considering that they pre- basically threw up all over themselves for the last week. Um, last night felt like a playoff game, looked like a playoff team. So it's a it's a good day for Phil's fans. Is Aaron Nola a big game pitcher? Tell you what, he, he did a lot to destroy that uh, storyline last night, that he's a, a choker and that he can't throw down the stretch. I mean, Listen, I think that all the criticisms are warranted. One of the things that I I feel like is crazy with the media and fans and and stuff on Twitter is that, you know, like a lot of times, like these storylines become storylines because there's some truth behind them. And, you know, Aaron Nola had struggled in big spots for for a number of years. There's just no there's no doubt about it. it doesn't mean that he's a loser, but it does mean that he struggled. And there were plenty of occasions where he came up small. Now, last night he was awesome. He couldn't have been much better than he was. And he's going to get an opportunity for the first time in his career now to pitch in the postseason. And, you know, hopefully for him and hopefully for the Phillies and their fans, he can bury that thing forever now. You didn't answer my question. Is Nola a big game pitcher? Because there's an ass on the line, if <laughs> depending on your uh, depending on your answer. <laughs> I think that uh, Aaron Nola is, is a very good pitcher who will have an opportunity to prove that he's a very a good pitcher in big games moving forward. What I don't a cop-out answer. No, I mean, I don't, I don't think you could say that yet. I think he had a great game last night. Uh, I'd like to see him do it in the playoffs, though, you know? I mean, like, that's where any team that – and any player that's that's worth anything, when you, you look at the big picture of their career, it's what they do in the playoffs, you know? Great job by him to put them in this spot. And had they lost last night, this could have gotten really weird. You know I mean? It could have been a situation where God knows what happens, man. But, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so I'll set up the appointment for you to kiss Ruben Amaro Jr.'s ass, and then I'll get in line, and Kevin will get in line, and Kyle <laughs> Scott will get in line, and everybody but Ann Sanfilippa will get in line to kiss Ruben Amaro's ass like it's for Keith. Wait, I didn't really have – I didn't have an Aaron Nola take. I was an well, Aaron Nola neutral, you know? You never came out against it, though. Oh, is that what I'm being held to? That's the standard that I'm being uh, yeah, held you're, to. Yeah, if I'm, you didn't come out again uh, for Aaron Nola, you're a hater. Like we just talked about Jalen Hurts for 20 minutes. Well, I just I knew as soon as they put the perfect game alert, Chiron up on oh. the thing that I'm like, oh fuck, here we go, you know. And then Barkan did his weird like dance or whatever <laughs> that was in the in the thing. And I'm like, what the hell am I watching here? But uh, I don't see. Here's here's my thing, Bob. Like, and this was not like prevalent. Maybe it's it's borderline straw manish. But I saw some people saying like, well, it's the third wild card, whatever, like who's popping champagne. I was like, fuck that, man. These guys have have been like through the ringer this year, you know, losing Segura, losing Harper. Their coach got fired. They were like 28 and 29 on June 9th. You know, the interim manager comes in, does a great job. They struggle a little bit in September, but they they right the ship and. Like these guys haven't been to the, the, the some of these guys have never been to the postseason. You know, Gene Segura, what 14 years? 
Um, absolutely, they should celebrate. I mean, look how much it meant to those dudes. I mean, Reese Hoskins' interview, you know, on the field after the game, uh, Alvarado, John Middleton getting getting down in the locker room too. Dombrowski looking like uh, Steve Buscemi with the backwards hat. Hey, kids, you know. And I just like it just, awesome. to me, you could you could tell Bob just how much it, it, it meant to them based on the way that they had celebrated that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, like, I, I think it's crazy. Like this morning, are are people so miserable that they have to to pick apart the celebration? Like, oh, it's a fraudulent third wild card. Like, give me a break, man. Like you're talking about a team that won 87 games, could win as many as 89 you said it, man. Like, th- this team's overcome quite a bit. And, like, you know, not to do, like, the whole Big J journalist thing, but, like, I've been down there. Like, I've been around that team a little bit. I've been in that clubhouse. Like, you see what they've gone through. Uh, and just uh, t- there are teams that, that would be talented that wouldn't be able to withstand some of the adversity that they've dealt with and navigated around and through this season. I mean, yeah. You talk about the injuries. You talk about being 21-29. Joe Girardi just not a fit for that clubhouse. I mean, people wrote this team off. And there is this like weird subsection, and and I think that the the general fan base truly isn't like this, but it's weird when you go on Twitter and you see a lot of Phillies fans like this team, like like people are waiting for this team to fail, like they almost like want to see it fail, like it validates their lack of belief in the team. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that you've got to go out and fill the stadium every night with 40, 45,000 people. Like there's a lot of different considerations that go into attendance and things like that. I know the TV ratings have been pretty good for the Phillies that show that there is interest in this team, but it does seem like there's like this like weirdo section of the fan base that like just doesn't want to give this team credit for what it has accomplished. And, yes, yes. you know, as we've seen here over the last 11 years, it's hard to make the playoffs. You can spend a lot of money. It doesn't guarantee you're going to make the playoffs. 15 times in this, this organization's history dating back to 1883 as this team made the postseason. You know, this does not happen all the time. And so I think that you have to give it some credit. And and I think that you have to just enjoy it as a fan. Like last night, if you watched that game and you didn't go like, go ahead, guys, like do it up, like mm-hmm. d- do it. And you couldn't, you couldn't get yourself to that point to feel good about it. Then, man, then you did. Then it doesn't matter. Yeah, dude, I'm like so glad you said that because if I nod anymore, my head's going to fall off. But like it, it reminded me, like here's another good exa- recent example of that. The Eagles season opener against the Lions like they come back they're up by a bunch and they start to like you know fall apart a little bit at the end and they hang on and then all these people come out of the woodwork like oh fucking Jonathan Gannon I told you you know it's like they're waiting for it yeah it's like they're waiting for it because they'd rather be right than have their team win you know and that is the biggest bullshit that this city has been offering for like the last 30 years you know you know some justified Negadelphia is fine like if it's pragmatic and it's rational and it's backed by like you know, statistics and and video clips and like a real examples of something that you can talk about. But it's like these people are just like they can't even enjoy it because they're just waiting for the bad thing to happen just so they can say, I told you so. You but know, that's, you think, that's like, the biggest horseshit. Maybe this is maybe this is me being overly optimistic about the fan base in general. I feel like this is a very vocal minority of of fans. Like I, I think it's just like the, the people that, that are on Twitter that are constantly firing away tweets, like they yeah. they like want to be seen and like wedged in and like it's like their brand almost. I don't think the city in general really 
does this. Like, I, I would say, like, we, we talk about it, and Kyle and I have talked about it on the show before. I try to be as objective as possible with the Phillies. But when it comes to the Eagles, like, yeah, I mean, I turn into a, a total moron, right? And, like, you know this, like, we've done the slack thing in the past. and mm. But, like, I also can step back and kind of go, like, I'm almost just like needling, like playing a part, like a little bit. Like we do that with the Wentz thing. Like every time he throws an incomplete pass, I go, see. Yeah, that's all like facetious shit. Yeah. Right. Like you play it up a little bit. I don't think most people are, are really like that, but there are definitely enough that we're talking about this right now. And I mean, it's definitely in my face every Sunday. Yeah. 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 If the the birds go and they, and they drop one this, this Sunday, it's going, why would you even, Listen, on Monday, it wouldn't. It would. It wouldn't be. It would be sky is falling. They suck. They're overrated. Like that's what it would be. I mean, and that's just that that is the nature of football a little bit to an extent. Like just the ebb and flow and the way that the schedule is set up. Like that's what fans do. And I think it's like a pen up six days leading up to the game. Like my life sucks, and like I need to watch my team hit someone. And it's been raining for ten days. I feel like validate my existence as a human being and when they don't do exactly what you want them to do it's like this urge to just go and be overly negative can i tell you something that bothers me because people say like well you know the third wild card and the expanded playoffs and all that stuff even with that major league baseball is still the hardest postseason to make you know uh, nfl nba um nhl MLS, like all those, there's more teams. There's more of a percentage of teams in the league to get into the playoffs. It's it's still hard to make the playoffs in baseball, you know. And like just watching those dudes last night. First of all, you should celebrate that stuff because the opportunities to celebrate these kinds of things are so few and far between. Anyway, they just played 160, man. Yeah. Like the the grind of that season, you know. Of course, they should celebrate it, you know. And whatever happens in St. Louis or with the Mets, like, so be it. But but that's an achievement, you know, especially for a team that, you know, they threw some money at it, um, had a couple big-name guys, but they still had some, like, pieces like Nola, you know, and, and Reese Hoskins, who were, like, part of those shit teams who, like, started to, to slowly, like, put it together. And, you know, to me, anybody who's – I can't believe anybody would go negadelphia about it at all. I mean, like, did you think they were going to go unbeaten in September? No. I mean, of course they were going to fall back to earth at some point. But, you know, I think right. Anthony, when he did his story yesterday, like pointed out, like, okay, they're like a bad average for September. And a lot of teams were beating up on the Nationals, you know? Like, so you, so a lot of the stuff that people were saying was was kind of flimsy to begin with, you know? Do, do you think this will take a weight off their back? Because we've never seen them in October before. Like, maybe Aaron Nola sucks in, in September, but maybe he's a great pitcher in October. Like, you're, you're, like, we keep going back to, like, the guys who have first made it, like Eflin, uh, Nola, Hoskins. But then you got, like, Stott, Veerling, Boom, uh, Stubbs. Like, guys who are, like, uh, uh, Brandon Marshall is going to be here for a while. Like, guys that are like, oh, shit, we got a taste of the playoffs. This is going to, this is awesome. We know how to get here. We know what this is going to be like. Do you think this will take a weight off their back? Yeah, a little bit. I, I do. I mean, there's two two schools of thought. I'm actually of the belief. I said this yesterday when we recorded Crossed Up to Anthony. I, I said, I'm actually more confident in the Phillies' ability to win a postseason series against the Cardinals than I am in their ability to make the postseason. <laughs> I, I kind of had to get over that. Like, And I actually think that there's a little bit to be said for this. I think the team felt this way, too. Like, we just have to get in. And once they get in, you start to stack it up. And and I feel like we're probably devaluing the Cardinals a little bit here. Like, this is a team that entered play last night with a run differential, like, plus 137. They ran away with the NL Central. 
it's a good team, and they're playing with what Anthony calls devil's magic right now with the Albert Pujols storyline and Molina. Do you and- think they're going to let him, like, do you think they're going to stop him from taking steroids before the Phillies play? <laughs> They might actually like use like regulation baseballs yeah. once they get to the postseason. Yeah. All right, good. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, though, I, I think the Phillies are better than the Cardinals. I do. And I think I can say that with a, a straight face. I really believe that the, the Phillies can win the series. Um, and I do think that the, the hump for this team is just getting in. It was a get over the hump of getting in. And now I do think that they can play a little bit more relaxed. And I don't necessarily think that this is like a house money thing. Like the Phillies are a very handsomely paid roster with big time talent and guys that are not necessarily going to do this for the next eight years. Like there's a little bit more urgency in this thing than I think that people really realize, but I do think that, that there's going to be a little bit of the weight taken off going into this. And uh, I think they're going to be dangerous, at least for that opening round. Bob, if you're John Middleton and you, you came out and you went above the tax and you spent this money and you brought Cassianos and you brought Schwarber in and whatever, are you look, what was, what is the difference of looking at a team that made the playoffs versus just missing out as far as like, Hey, I this justified my, my spending of money or it didn't. Yeah. I mean, cause at the end of the day, it's only really three more, like say you lose in the opening round, you're talking about an extra weekend in three games of baseball how much does that really change the reality for the organization? And I think that that's a really interesting question. John Middleton has spent a lot of money in recent years and has not made the playoffs. There has been no payoff and there's been no return on investment. So um, you don't want to like cry for a, for a billionaire owner here or anything, but you know, he deserves from it, from an ownership standpoint, that what he's put out there and the aggressiveness in which he's pursued this thing, especially this past season, uh, you, you kind of say, Hey, good, good on him for that. Um, what does it do for the organization overall, though, is, is the interesting question. If the Phillies get bounced in the opening round, I don't think it really is going to change the way. And I don't know if this is how you meant the question, but I don't I don't think it's really going to change the way that they approach this offseason. I think what they're going to do is what they're going to do, save for like a deep playoff run, like game seven of the NLCS, make the World Series. I still think that they have to figure out um, – what they're going to do in their middle infield. Like, I I think that they're going to go out and try to pursue a big time shortstop. I think that they need to figure out what they have going on in their outfield mix right now. Like if Bryce Harper can play right field next season, like is, is Nick Castellanos back as a DH is Reese Hoskins, your first baseman. Like they've got things they need to figure out. And I don't know that just making the playoffs is going to change any of those, those things. Yeah. Uh, But it's, I think it, it does validate the organization. I think that this team and this franchise really needed something positive to happen at the end of a season to change maybe the way the fans feel about this team. And and if nothing else, if they do get bounced this weekend, you're going to get a lot of people that are probably going to be really critical of how things play out. But there is at least going to be like, a, at least they got there. You feel like they're going in the right direction and not just spinning their wheels now. What happens with Thompson if they go, say, to get swept? Or... Yeah, two. Yeah, two out of three. They lose. I I think he's back. Um, I think he's back either way, but I don't know that it's a hundred percent. I mean, maybe this is a done deal. I don't think it's a hundred percent. Um, it's. Just- I'd be shocked if it's not a hundred percent. The way they just, the way they just, uh, like look around him and everything, like they love him. Yeah, this is a team that's that's more than twenty games over five hundred since he's taken over, and considering where they were to where they are now. I just don't know how you could objectively look at this and and not come to the conclusion that like man like he deserves this and if not here 
he he deserves it somewhere else. Like he should be a major league manager. He's earned that right at this point. I would imagine he will, regardless of of outcome this weekend, be this team's manager next season. Was it you and Anthony, or did I hear it somewhere else that they they can't just promote him though? Like they got to interview people. They have to go through that thing. Uh, yeah. So I don't know exactly the the uh, rules behind that, but I actually think they can at the end of the season simply remove the interim tag at this yeah. point and just you know make yeah. him the full time manager. I don't. I actually don't think that it is as complicated as um, it was initially reported to be. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. What was your favorite moment of, of yesterday's celebrations? I had to be John Middleton, right? I mean, every time <laughs> every time John Middleton gets on camera, it's just so awkwardly. Such a like, billionaire. Uh, he's such a billionaire. Like that's how I would celebrate if I were a billionaire. I would just come in and, and make the whole thing as awkward as possible. Even his um, wife was like, "Shut up!" and just poured yeah, water just, on him, and they're like, yeah, <laughs> "Like, like this." All right, John. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, she must be awesome at tuning him out at home. I like my um, favorite. My favorite part was the uh, was the Thompson speech, and then the fuck yeah, and then he tried to drink the champagne with the pot <laughs> with the cork still in it or something is it, is it yeah really? i think i think noah syndergaard shot brad hand in the back with a cork too which was fucking hilarious just like guys being dudes <laughs> that's just awesome you see brad hand just like oh jesus yeah oh wait the cork is still in it yep. oh. yeah and then we can and then he was fumbling it's, with the cork while getting sprayed with the yeah it, it's so fitting that they're like nickname for the young guys is daycare because it is like it is like a an, an old guy just running a daycare. It feels like when you saw like the Bryson Stott uh, Instagram live video, he's just going around. Stubbs and Veerling are just like blowing smoke into the uh, yeah. into the camera. Uh, Alec Bohm's like smacking the camera out of Bryson Stott's hand. Like it's just a bunch of like like eight uh, four year olds just like running around playing baseball. You know my 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 take in the summer was I wrote a story about this. Like seriously, it was. I mean, everybody's talking about the Eagles, but it was the best Philly sports summer that we've had in ten years. It was or more, you know, I wish I, mean, we, I wish we knew. Like, I wish we knew more about this team. And I feel like if we knew more about this team, I think we got a little snapshot into what they're like yesterday during the celebrations. I mm-hmm. think it would have been a lot easier for people to fill the stadium. You know, it's it's interesting you say that, because if you go back to that last run and, you know, in Philadelphia, that's what we do. We always fixate on on certain errors. And if you, you can't talk about the Phillies without talking about seven to eleven, that team had you know some really intriguing homegrown pieces that were you know loved before they won the world series i mean chase otley was popular ryan howard given the power production was popular uh cole hamels was a really intriguing young pitcher but like that team did not become that team until really oh nine you know and you go through that playoff run like shane victorino wasn't Shane Victorino until they won the World Series. Definitely. And Jason Worth wasn't Jason Worth until they won the World Series. And I don't know that, like, I think the revisionist history is that we just love those guys all along, right from the start. And I don't really know that that's true. I think that they had to have those moments. Like, one of the things I tweeted out this morning is that, you know, Kyle Schwarber led the National League in home runs, 46 home runs. And it's like nobody even gave a damn, right? Like, Except for I, that, like, two I didn't know he had 46 home runs until you just said that. Like 46 home runs, and we're kind of just like numb to it. Why didn't the, what, ESPN no. should have went double screen every time he came up? Yeah. But like last night, he hits this, this homer on the first pitch, and like, that's a moment, dude. Like, and now you start to hear, like, he's a clubhouse leader and that Kyle Schwerber home run. Like, you get into the postseason and you start to create these big time moments that people can kind of like, you know, just put a, a photograph in their memory of it. 
Like that's how these guys become the, the dude that you run out and you grab their Jersey and you, you know, you get their shirts and you do all that stuff. Like they needed this type of game to start to carve out these moments. They needed this playoffs to maybe, you know, start to assert themselves as like guys that can capture the city's imagination. I know that sounds kind of lame. Like that sounds like an NFL films type thing, but that's what the Phillies need. They need to create these big time moments and these guys need to own it. Like we, Kyle, we talk all the time about Bryce Harper, right? What are like the Bryce Harper signature moments in Philadelphia? A grand slam in August of 2019 <laughs> against the Cubs. Like, come on, the dude won an MVP. He's a great player, but like, he needs to have that big time moment here. And like, that's, what's going to get this team to the next level in terms of like really being beloved by the city. Yeah. You go back and you look at all these dudes, man, like, you know, the Iverson step over, you know, shit that the 93 fills Fourth did. and 26. Fourth and 26. Yeah. I mean, like what was, what was the, like, right. You have to have stuff that people can grab onto. The Dawkins, you know, like, you know like, Algie Crumpler was like that. It was like the defining 2004 run, I feel like. Yeah, like 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 narrative pivot points, you know, where you can point to like a central thing and like like latch on to that and say, okay, here's like a, like a defining moment with all that stuff, you know? And I think like, because Bob, I think when you came on a couple months ago, you said that you, because th- we, you know, we did the, everybody does a discussion about why can't they fill the ballpark or whatever. And you thought it was bullshit. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you thought the the narrative of they're not good enough yet or whatever was bullshit because they're winning a bunch of games. But you pointed to what you just said, where it's like this stuff takes time, too, because people are a little skeptical of whether it's a flash in the pan or whether you really got something here. You know, I I just used the Victorino as an example. I mean, you could think about and I, I know he was popular prior to the World Series, but he didn't really become that guy until the Sabathia Grand Slam. You yeah. know, like that was the moment that Shane Victorino became a guy. And you remember him pointing to his helmet when he it got thrown at against yeah. the Dodgers. He was in the middle of that entire series. We always talk about the stairs home run in, in 08 and that NLCS, but Victorino actually tied the game with like a wall scraping home run right before that. Like he was in the middle of everything in that championship run. And then all of a sudden, you know, flying Hawaii and Shane Victorino, we love you. Like those guys, like a Brandon Marsh, he has that type of moment. You know, he can, he can become that guy. Zach Eflin starts closing games in the ninth inning after he was shelved all, all you know, for three months, almost with a, a knee injury. People are going to love that storyline. They'll eat that shit up. You know, like, that's that's how these guys become these 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 figures. I think um, you know it's funny because when I came back to I wasn't living in Philly when they won the World Series. You know when they first started to get good, I was I was still at my first job in Georgia. I was actually living in Braves territory, so I saw it from that perspective. But you know when they came back uh, when I started my first year at Channel Three, it was two thousand nine when they went to the World Series and played the Yankees. Man, we were hanging on every fucking pitch of that playoff run and just of that season. And like, to me, I I still think that playoff baseball is better than any, any playoffs in any other sport, you know, because I think the playoffs in other sports gets a little saturated. I mean, the NFL is great. I think when your team's in it, like I think the intensity of watching your team in the MLB playoffs is is a different piece. I don't give a shit about what the Mariners are going to do. Right. But I will watch the Phillies because I think, and maybe you can help me elaborate on this, but I think the, 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 fine-tuning of the game and each of the individual decisions that are made by a manager like pitching changes you know who's you have a lefty and a righty like all that stuff kind of gets lost over the course of 162 because there's just so much of it right but when you're like in these really like high leverage moments where everything matters and everybody's watching every single pitch like the way that baseball is managed and approach it just means more 
because those are amplified in a higher stakes situation where there's just not as much of it. You know what I mean? Does that make any any kind of sense? It, it does. And I, I also think that everyone always talks about the longevity of the season sort of diluting the importance of each individual game, which makes yes. sense. Yeah. But I actually think the longevity of the season amplifies what you're talking about, these decisions and these key yeah. moments when you get to the postseason because you're like, oh, my God, 162 games and, and five, six months of – of build up to this, to this yeah. one decision that's going to, you know, basically swing this game, potentially swing a series. And so, yeah, I just think yeah. that there's like a, everyone a talks point. about the, the breaks in the baseball and how it's slow and boring. I think in the playoffs, when it's your team and you get late in the game, I think that those breaks actually create more, uh, you know, angst and more anxiety. Yeah. 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 It's it, like, it's like, to me, it's like a 180 from the regular season. I know in like college football, for example, like, you know, when Ohio State plays pick a team, Oregon in week one. Okay, well, that shit in week one has has ramifications for the playoff already. You know, so it's like everything matters. But when you're talking about individual, like high leverage, high stakes moments, the pace of baseball creates this theater in October that just like is like resonates a little bit more. You know, like watching those Phillies playoff games back in the day i still remember like individual at, at bats and stuff and i i couldn't i couldn't remember i couldn't tell you about every single drive that the eagles went on in 2004 2005 or what you know i i think there's something optically about october like again uh a writer thing like former nfl films guy like you know the autumn wind is a pirate like i i think about october baseball though and like there's like a little chill in the air. Like everyone's mm -hmm. got their sleeves on. Like it's louder. It's it just looks different. You ever like watch the Phillies on opening day? It just looks clean and crisp and mm -hmm. more red and more vibrant. Like yeah. it just is aesthetically more pleasing. I think there's something about the aesthetics of October baseball and the way it like just looks and feels. It it just it's it's awesome. Like you know, I mean, I just it just has a totally different should, feel. Man. Should the Phillies spray paint the sideline? Even though they're not playing, should they spray paint the sideline anyway? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what? The question somebody asked me: Do you think if they they have a home game, like you think like it'll sell out? One of my friends asked me that today, and I, I, I have tickets. NLDS game three, I got tickets. You you think it'll, it'll sell out? There. Yeah, are you gonna buy some full price hot dogs? They won't be cheap that night. I'm not buying full price hot dogs. I will bring in my own hot dogs. <laughs> they, uh, you know, I gotta check this, but I think off the top of my head, I don't. You know, if, if it wasn't for the Flyers, there would have been an opportunity for all of the five for five teams to go to the playoffs at the same time this year. Oh, and the, the, uh, and the Phoenix, six for six. They and the, the Phoenix, too. So the Eagles are going to go. The Sixers are going to go. The Phillies are in. The Union are in. Um, that's four out of five. I don't remember. I can't I can't imagine it happened very often where all four of the four for four teams were in the playoffs at the same time. I mean, 2010 would be the. 2010, yeah. 20, 20, 29, they went and played. The Sixers played Orlando. I don't know Philly if the Flyers were any good. That, the 10 season, that 11 season was the dream team year, and they weren't in. So yeah. 20, I think 09 and they, they were. I mean, I think the 09 Eagles, that was the uh, the Vic gadget year, and McNabb playing the air guitar in Dallas getting his ass kicked. Yeah, uh, but I'm trying to remember. Was that Flyer, Was the Flyers run 09-10 or 10-11? Oh, no, it was 09-10. Oh, nine, ten. Yeah, yeah, where they probably, went. You know, you know, that's probably yeah. it. So yeah. it's been twelve. So it's been twelve years since the four, all four of the four for four teams yeah. went at the same yeah. time. That's crazy. Yeah. Hey, what do you think? Potentially, we're running into something. Game three on Sunday, going head to head with the uh, with the Eagles four twenty five game in Arizona. That'll be interesting. 
I, I'm very curious to see what Major League Baseball does with uh, with the schedule there. Uh, I would hope – I think you're going to see if that happens, a lot of the uh, the makeshift setups, like here's oh, my yeah. real TV and here's the one we wheeled in and put a Roku on it. Like yep. it's going to be a lot of dual TVs. Uh, I will tell you this, like a little man on the street thing last night. I actually went to uh, a bar last night with a couple of my friends. And uh, I'll tell you what, the, the, the bar started like the beginning of the game, a lot of Monday night football. The Phillies were on though. And there were some people with Philly stuff there. And then like the fifth inning, people were like, hey, there's a there's a perfect game going on here. And like, finally, by like the fifth, sixth inning, it really started to tilt towards the Phillies. It's the first time in a really long time I saw like a bar get jacked up and like people excited to see the Phillies. But I, I hope that Major League Baseball doesn't do that, you know, where there's an overlap. But I guess it's very possible. I mean, you got to think if there's four series and they're all running Friday through through Sunday, at least a couple of them are going to go that third game. So who knows? Um, I'm guessing the TVs were probably on mute. How did uh, everybody know there was a perfect game? Cause there was just graphics all over the screen on NBC sports Philly. Well, yeah, uh, that was, that was, um, <laughs> that was what the fuck was that? I yeah, mean, like, I, mean you I know can say what you want about it. But like, there, I know there's some people out there that are like, ah, oh, come on, man. Like, you know, that jinx stuff. It's all, that's all weak. Like it has nothing to do with anything. Like, come on, you know, unwritten rules, unwritten rules, unwritten rules. You're, you're the keeper of the unwritten rules, Bob. They wouldn't talk to Aaron Nola from the fifth inning on. Nobody sat around him. Nobody even wanted to touch him. Nobody like he came down the steps and everybody just scattered like mice and we're throwing up perfect game graphics. Okay, fine. If you want to throw the one up when he's walking out, I'm not going to kill you on that one. This one is insane. Yeah. What, this perfect game alert is, is insane. That? What the hell is that? Now, if you're on MLB.com. And you want to put that up on your on your cell phone app to draw attention to it to get people to tune in, sure. But like we all know what we're watching here. So what are we doing? You know, like yeah, I, yeah. I made a joke after that. I was like, I'm surprised that like in the in the ninth inning with the Brewers trailing by a couple runs that they didn't do like Phillies now have a 99.98% <laughs> probability of making the playoffs. Like what you can't do that. It's well, and Dubon, Dubon was pissing me off too, man, because yeah. on that last, he fouled off Eflin like ten times in a row on that last. I was trying to film it for the for social media. I was like, "You motherfucker, just swing and miss, please." And then you know? see Barkan, and you know how I feel about that. And yeah. you know, I was yeah. just a clown show to the very end. Now I thought well, that the post game stuff was really good. They you did know, a good like, job I'll there. Give, I'll give NBC Sports Philly and that broadcast team a lot of credit. Uh, and I, you know, honestly, it has nothing to do with the announcers. I actually think Philly's announcers. Uh, are like unfairly criticized a lot of the time. I know that Tom takes a lot of crap, especially on Twitter. Is it because Fransky's uh, so good? Yeah, I, you know, and uh, yeah, Fransky. Nobody, nobody has anything negative to say about about Fransky, but I think that sometimes Tom, you know, gets unfair criticism. I thought that they all did a, a really good job yesterday. Um, but man, that that perfect game stuff and Barkan before the inning, like, give me a break with that shit. I was fucking. I wanted to cringe out of my fucking skin, uh, and I, I said so much, so nice things about him because the Keith Hernandez thing was funny and everything. And now, yeah, now I'm gonna have to use this clip, and now I'm gonna have to take him back to task. Yes, and don't worry. Don't, I'm telling power you, don't, number one. Don't worry about saying anything about Barkan on the site because he's not a Crossing Broad fan. So, yeah, he's, he's fair. He's fair game. I got some stories about that. Um, Maybe we'll tell him on another episode. Not a fan, but re- a reader of the site, no less. I, yeah, I yeah, yes. No, that's that's Every, yeah, yeah. Everybody at NBC Sports is a reader of the site. 
one thing that uh, one thing I will say about media folk in this town is that they they may not all love Crossing Bro, but they sure all read it. No, nope. yes, they do. Philadelphia sports media loves to read about themselves. There is no doubt about that. They do. They do. They they consume it more than anything. You know, more than anything. I'll tell um, that story on a future episode. <laughs> all right, Bob. Wheeler Nola falter for the three games. I, I don't know. I mean, listen, Bailey Falter's probably like you could make the argument that he's earned it. If Ranger Suarez goes out and throws pretty well tonight, like I, I think it's Suarez for me, but I guess you could you could make a real strong case to go falter. We we can't we can't let this game affect what we think about Ranger Suarez. I mean, they were out probably till four in the morning last night just getting after it. No, and I mean I think it's going to be Ranger Suarez. Uh just he's been pretty good here lately he really went through it though for a while we were like jesus it may if they make the playoffs it may not be him i can tell you it won't be kyle gibson how about that okay there it's probably for that's probably for the best yeah i think the kyle gibson ship is sailed all right bob thanks so much for coming on man okay one more thing no i just i figured i'd keep bob on i just wanted to touch real quick on the um (laughs) the the flyers thing did you have thoughts bob on the flyers blog that tweeted nothing but pornography and feet pics uh for 10 straight hours before somebody realized what was going on over there so what's the story here we have a, a disgruntled ex fan-sided employee that, uh, yeah uh, and, uh, a disgruntled ex-indentured servant yes yeah yes. i'll tell you what uh i actually wrote for a uh the eagles fan-sided uh site like back in like i want to say 2010 maybe how, how many cents a word? Yeah, I think they would send you a check at the end of the month uh, for about $7, you know? <laughs> and there'd be like these email chains of like, yo, this just happened. It's got to get up on the site. Like it was, the, this is post. The Kyle was yeah. <laughs> this is post, but in 2010 via email, there it is. I had to crop uh, out all the all the porn. Uh, yeah. I had to go Microsoft Paint. Look at my Microsoft Paint job with the black boxes there, you know? Amazing, amazing. It was very... Uh, Put me in the very mood for some graphic. cream pie. I'll tell you that. I had some for dessert later. Yeah, it was very graphic. The funniest thing to me was that this was just going on for 10 straight hours. There was like hundreds of posts. <laughs> and I'm like, this account like actually has a blue check mark and like 5,000 followers. How is like nobody aware of this? You know, it's not like somebody did it. And then like we got a bunch of screen grabs and like two seconds later it was deleted. Like this shit was up for like 13 hours. I knew um, that interest in the Flyers was down this season. But, <laughs> you know. I don't know what's going on with Flyers Twitter. First, you had that, and then you had uh, Jake Voracek, who hasn't played here in a year, uh, going after Charlie O'Connor again on uh, on Twitter. I mean, what's next? Is he going to call somebody a fucking weasel? Yeah, hey, Bob. What do you think about the? Uh, what do you think about shit. the Flyers beat reporter who said, "Let's be real, Nola is going to walk a guy, then give up a two-run homer. Phillies lose <laughs> two to one." That was uh, from a guy named Rush Joy, Joy on Broad. What do you think about that tweet? Yeah, I don't respect Russ's opinions. So um, could Russ could Russ throw from home to to first? Uh, nah, one foot nah. standing on the plate, uh, no crow hop. I like in in spirit, sort of align with Russ. Like I've had questions about Aaron Nola in big games. Uh, sorry, Ruben, um, but uh, and t- like as soon as Russ was in on the take, I was like, I actually am totally out. Like I have to one eighty this thing. And oh, Dave, I, you have I, that I, video. I told him I was like Russ, you you can't even throw a baseball ninety feet, so it's fine. We, we will we will bully Russ into filming a video of him throwing from home to first, no crow hop, one foot on the plate. Yeah, I mean you got to make sure he doesn't have any like CGI capabilities. Like you, you don't know. 
Yeah. Also, all right, before we have you anyway, uh, Kevin Kevin wants to shine again in a uh, yeah. in a media game. Yeah, there was no shine in this one. Um, I think I touched the ball. Oh, did we lose it? Okay, we well, I'll talk it. about it. Uh, Pat Gallon blasted across off of my face, uh, and it went into the goal. Okay, here we go. You got to rewind it here. Oh, there it is. Okay. Make Bam. that full screen, Dave, you can. Right off my face here. Look. Bam. Into took the Pat, goal. Took Pat Gallon's balls to your face? Yeah, yeah. it was a little. It was the it was like the media camp at uh, down at uh, Subaru Park. So you're playing like a 3v2 here. And the goal is you got to get out and win the ball. And then when you win the ball, you get two other guys who join you. And then you go 4v3 four, four in the other way. So I was trying to contain him, Gallon, just one time to right off my face. Now I don't really I'm not really a soccer uh tactician here or anything. Yeah. Is there anything you could have done about this? Got to go boots up, right? I probably we probably could have got out faster to narrow the angles and the guys coming in, but we're all media members. We're not like pros. I was fucking gassed in like 10 seconds. So I'm like just anybody, contain, contain, you know. Anybody playing dirty out there? Anybody going boots up? There was a slide tackle or two. I was exhausted though, man. I was like I was like um the ball barely found me. I was trying to play defense, but I think I was like one of two people playing defense. So every time I looked up, it was just like three dudes coming at me with the ball. And I'm like, oh God, here we go again. So if you we're gonna do a video with me. We're gonna do a, a video with it, but there's not a lot of there's not a lot of highlights. I don't have a Eagles media game highlight in this one. That, that was your that was your highlight. If you slide yeah. tackle me in a fucking Philadelphia Union yeah. media game, there's gonna be a post on Crossing Broad later. It says Crossing Broad writer throws hands with local yeah. Uh, NBC, CBS, Fox affiliate. Well, this is not like the Phillies charity game from a couple years ago when Kristen Rogers got trucked at yeah. uh, third third base. You remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. There was uh, actually it's funny because when they did the first Union Media game in like 2016, the uh, the news director from NBC 10 tore his Achilles Ooh. during a uh, during a warm up. No, it was just like a warm up drill. Like you pass and move, and you go in like a triangle. And I just heard this guy yelling, and I'm like, oh shit, okay, Anzio Williams like injured himself in the. Uh, in the warm up or whatever. No, who is the best uh, media member mm -hmm. uh, in terms of, of soccer prowess? Who's the most skilled media member in soccer? Well, I wasn't even a media member. Actually, we were playing in the one like three years ago. Uh, Russ was down there with me, and these guys were like really good, and they're throwing slide tackles in, and I was just having a hell of a time with them. I'm like, who are these dudes? And somebody's like, oh, they all—they're all from like the Power Home Remodeling Group. <laughs> which was uh which is like a union sponsor they sponsored yeah. the union's training center i think they're based in chester because i'm like who yeah. the fuck are these guys i'm like who do you work for Pyramid i don't scheme. recognize any of these dudes and they were from like power home remodeling they must have all played in college or something like that because they were like really damn good <laughs> give us somebody though who was good on uh on last thursday i'll give you a low-key like underrated one all right you ready for this elliot shore parks see that doesn't wow. surprise me mm -hmm. that... low center of gravity yeah. played soccer yeah. Yeah. ESP was there. Yeah. He was, he was, uh, he, he went to central high school in Philly and he played soccer at central and it was like pretty good. Like he knew where to, where to move. And like, he had some skills on the ball. We had a nice little like one, two link up there. I think coach Camille from 97, five blew the follow-up pass. We had a nice little sequence going there, but, uh, yeah, Elliot was good. Elliot was there. Uh, Pat Gallon obviously was there. Blasted one off my face. The guys who run the yeah, Doobie you, Brothers. You talk to Elliot. Elliot's a frequent topic of crossing broadcast when mm -hmm. I'm on. Did you have a conversation yeah. with Elliot while there? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, cool. He, yeah, I mean, he like he said, "Hey, it's nice to meet you." And I was like, "Hey, we've met, we've met before. We actually." <laughs> oh, he just big leaked you. He well, big leaked you. That's another story right there because he came in. Yeah, he came into um, Channel Three with Spike actually once, and they did like this is when I was doing Sports Zone back in the day. 
and um i don't even know if we like i remember like meeting elliot then but i don't i don't know I don't know yeah. what happened. It got lost in translation or something. Like, yeah, you, like you came in and you came into Eyewitness News a bunch of years ago and you did this thing with us. But no, it was cool. Like I said, man, too, like I don't like I think the live, uh, you know, camp tweets are bullshit or whatever. But like, I don't have anything against the guy personally. So, yeah, that was yeah. kind of the whatever. And yeah, I mean, we were just like. Uh, hey, but but next time you see him, you have to say, hey, nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah, I'll get him. I'll get him back. Yeah, get him back. yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, nice to meet you. I don't think we've nice met to meet before. You. Yeah. No, it was cool. It was fun. The union do a really good job with that, man. They open up like the locker rooms in the stadium and like Jim Curtin talks to everybody, and then you go through like a warm-up and everything. It's not just like a charity game or a media game or whatever. They go through like the whole, you know, experience. This is how you do it and whatever. Everybody's like exhausted before you even start the scrimmage. So, you know, but uh right. yeah, it's fun. So Greg's get- working on the video. We'll get the video up there and everybody will see me getting blasted in the face again, you know. <laughs> By Pat Gallon with the soccer ball. You can put it on. You can put it on. Uh, Broad Street Hockey Buzz. You getting blasted in the face. The second, That's right. Yeah, yeah. The second exactly. porn that uh, went I up know. on the. Site I did feel I, bad for like the woman whose face kept getting plastered on there over and over again. Like, armed and dangerous. They said though. I don't know. I want to. I want to I wanna see the facts all play out before. Uh, we, yeah, uh, yeah. We and then funny too because the Voracek thing was funny too because it was just like it's like like they think analytics is bullshit, you know, and like that guy Charlie O'Connor's a like, big analytics guy or whatever. Like I don't know. It seems like in hockey, people care a little less about analytics than like maybe in the other sports, but I don't know. I just think it's funny how Voracek hasn't even played here for a full year and he's still like battling with media members on uh, on Twitter and in person or whatever, you know. But Voracek versus Sielski is still one of my favorite stories of all time. Easily. So, yeah. Easily. Yeah. All right. Anything else, Bob? Thanks for staying on for an extra 10 minutes. I know you got to go yeah. save the company probably. You probably lost out on like 17 promos. <laughs> Uh, Tuesday is uh, the day of rest, sort of. So. Nice. All right. So then, then Russ should be out there trying to throw 90 feet right now. Yeah, you should probably be working on it, yeah. Yeah. All right. That's the, uh, that's the crossing broadcast for today. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, subscribe to the channel. Subscribe to the podcast. Hit the thumbs up button if, uh, if you're still here. And uh, we'll talk to you on Thursday.